very familiar portion of Scripture, the book of Psalms, Psalm 51. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture there. I'm going to talk about repentance this evening. I want to, if you'll allow me to probe around a little bit and let the Word of God do its work and accomplish its purpose, you may not... Uh, this may not be a dancing, shouting, running around type of a message, but it is the Word of the Lord. Now, when I talk about repentance, when I say repentance, I'm not <clears throat> talking about repentance like most folks think of repentance. You get found out. Somebody catches you. You get caught. And what do you do? You come running down to the altar. You cry some tears and you say, God, I'm sorry. Why do you say I'm sorry? Well, because I got caught. And I don't want to have to pay the penalty. Right? That's how most of us deal with God. I found out that if I don't make it right, I'm going to go to hell. I don't want to go there. And so I come down and I say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And at its core, what is that? That's selfishness. Right? If you think about it, that's selfishness. I found out I'm not going to heaven. And the only other alternative is not a good alternative. So God, please help me. Now, I'm not discounting that many of us at times start out like that. Right? But there's something deeper that needs to happen. There's something deeper that the Word of God says repentance is. You see, repentance is a work of the heart. You have to understand the motive of the heart is what sets your goals in life. And when your goals are set, that determines what your actions or what your behavior is going to be and your behavior produces an end result it produces fruit right so if you only change your behavior you still haven't dealt with the motive now only god can change the motive of a heart you and i can't change the motive It's God that calls us to repentance. So if I never let God do that work on the inside, deep down on the inside of my heart, I'm still going to end up with the same fruit. I can change my actions all I want, but I'm still going to end up in the same place because I never changed the motive of my heart. I never allowed God to get down on the inside and do a work on the inside. That's what I mean when I'm talking about repentance tonight, okay? Psalm 51, beginning with verse number 1. Very familiar, again, very familiar passage. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Dropping down to verse number 10. Now I acknowledge there's not a lot of excitement in the first portion, right? There's not a lot of excitement to be found in those first four verses. That's a lot of deep work. There's a lot of tears that are being shed during that time. You're on your face before God. That's not a happy time when we're all smiling, right? But let's drop down to verse 10 now where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Without me having to prove it, will you acknowledge with me that it's good to go through the first four verses so we can get to those last three that I read? Where he's creating in me a clean heart. And He's renewing a right spirit within me. And I get in His presence. And He restores unto me the joy of salvation. He upholds me with His Spirit. Praise God. I want to talk to you this evening on this subject. The joy of repentance. The joy of repentance. You can be seated this evening. The foundation of something is of great importance. Before you ever build something, it is critical that you have thought through the steps necessary in order to have a solid foundation. While it's technically true that you do not need a foundation to build a beautiful structure, it is also true that to build anything That will last. You do need a solid and true foundation. And I build this message today on this simple truth. You can't build a good thing on a bad foundation. Repentance is an amazing work of God. No other experience is quite the same as repentance. It is one of the steps taken in a life that has turned in the right direction. It is something that Peter commanded on the day of Pentecost in order to be saved. And when a sinner repents, his life begins a wonderful transformation. And the Bible says that even the angels in heaven rejoice when one person Repentance. Repentance is a spiritual transaction. I can't explain exactly what takes place when you truly repent because it is a work that happens on the inside, but I can tell you that it is more than just a mere confession of your sins. 
Repentance involves a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction, all those things. But the deepest and most necessary work of repentance is a change in the motive of the heart. When the habitual liar repents, he suddenly begins telling the truth. When a thief repents, he goes out and he finds honest work. When an adulterer repents, he becomes faithful again to his bride. When the alcoholic or drug addict repents, they're delivered from chemical dependence. There's power in repentance. There's simply no way to comprehend the vast change that takes place in our hearts when true Godly repentance takes place. First and foremost, repentance is about that change that happens deep down on the inside of a person. It's not about putting a fair face on a foul matter. It's not about dressing up our wrongs and making them appear to be acceptable. It's not about putting on a charade of righteousness. Repentance is about a deep personal change on the heart level. It is a foundational work of God in our lives. Too often, I'm afraid, well-meaning people try to build a good life on top of a bad foundation. Too often we try to bring in all of the trappings of righteousness and begin the work of a new life with Christ without ever really taking the time to deal with the foundational issues of sin in our lives. Too many times folks who started out good and folks who seem to be on the right track, go astray somewhere along the way and make shipwreck of their faith. And I'm convinced that more often than not, the problem lies in the foundation of our walk with God. The problem lies in the foundational element of repentance. Let's face it, we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if there's ever going to be any hope of salvation in our lives, it is going to rise out of this thing called repentance. Not from our good works. Not from the deeds that we do. Not from the religious pretenses that we put on. Not from appeasing ourselves with religious activity. But repentance is the only thing that can scrape away the guilt and the pain and the shame of a life scarred by sin and prepare the foundation upon which God wants to build your life. Too often we come to God with messed up lives and hope that we can somehow fill up our lives with enough good that it will somehow cover up all of the wrong that we have done. I want to be real plain here today. I don't care how long you've been in this thing. I don't care how long you can speak in tongues. I don't care how many good works you do. You can't afford to neglect the work of repentance in your life. Everyone 
likes the step of speaking in tongues. It's a glorious thing indeed. And most people equate speaking in tongues to being spiritual. But can I tell you that you can speak in tongues until you're blue in the face. But if you bypass the altar of repentance, all your speaking in tongues means nothing. You can't can't live in holiness until you first find an altar of repentance because sin and God's holiness will never mix. You need an altar where you bring your flesh into the presence of God and you pray from the bottom of your heart, Forgive me, O God! Praise God. Some of you lament the fact that things aren't what they used to be in your walk with God. Maybe you're not exactly sure what's gone wrong in your relationship with God. You used to be closer to Him. You used to walk in His power. You used to feel His touch. But now it seems as if things have become hollow. It seems as if your life is missing that dynamic power of God. You feel as if you can't quite get the victory in your life. Or perhaps guilt and shame have teamed up together to tell you that You are not any good to God any longer. And this is how it's always going to be in your life. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. You can't build a life of victory and overcoming power on a bad foundation. You can't shed the shame of things gone wrong on a bad foundation. You can't live a life of holiness unto God when there are things in the foundation of your life that you have never really dealt with. I truly believe that there are folks sitting on church pews that are doing their best to serve God, but they struggle over and over and over again with sin issues in their life because they haven't truly allowed the work of repentance to take place in their lives. Sometimes we bypass repentance on the way to the baptismal tank. Sometimes we hurry repentance along in an effort to begin speaking in tongues. Sometimes we rush right through repentance in order to get to the good stuff. Sometimes we make a half-hearted appeal to God for repentance and we let the specter of judgment and wrath to come drive us to ask for God's forgiveness when if truth were known deep down on the inside, we've never really taken the time to repent. But we're just seeking to be free from the consequences of our sin. Oh, I pray that a spirit of repentance would begin to grip a hold of the church tonight that would cause us to call out to God in repentance. I'm preaching this evening the joy of repentance. In our text today, 
We're drawing upon one of the best known Psalms, Psalm 51. This is where David repents for his sin with Bathsheba. Verse 1 tells us, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David's first plea is a plea for mercy. A plea for mercy is by definition a confession of guilt. David's prayer for repentance begins with the knowledge of his guilt. You've got to believe that there is a reason for repentance. You've got to understand that you have transgressed against the law of God before there can ever be genuine repentance. You're not just saying a bunch of words that you put together. Oh God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my sin. But you've got to really believe that there's something for you to repent of. So repentance that starts with self-justification is not repentance. It doesn't matter why you sin. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. It doesn't matter what was done to you. It only matters that you have sinned and you are in need of forgiveness. And so David starts his repentance with the knowledge of his sin. But notice that he didn't begin that prayer by talking about his sin. David starts by reminding God of his mercy. David appeals to God's loving kindness. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. But David doesn't stop there. He goes on to address the very nature of God that grieves over the failings of His children according to the multitude of Thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. David is reminding God of His nature. David is reminding God that He is a God of a multitude of tender mercies. He's saying, I've read the books of history. I've read the law. And there are volumes of evidence of your mercy. There are multitudes of stories about your amazing grace. This is what you do, God. You're a God of a multitude of mercies. That's who you are. Your mercy knows no limits. Your forgiveness has no end. Your mercy goes from generation to generation. Praise God. So often, we undermine our own prayers of repentance by our lack of faith. We don't know God like we really should know Him. We believe that we don't deserve mercy. We know we've failed. We know we've fallen short. And so we predispose ourselves to believe that somehow I've gone 
too far this time. I told God last time I was never going to make this mistake again. And here I made the mistake again. So I've gone too far for God to help me anymore. I believe David is reminding himself of the sure mercies of God as much as he is reminding God about what he's done in the past. Have mercy on me, O God. I know I don't deserve it. I know I haven't earned it. But I know that You are a God of mercy. That's what I know. The Scriptures bear record of the multitude of Your mercies. And I know if I turn to You, You've already been looking in my direction. Have mercy on me, O God. God's mercy is never based on anything that you can do. His mercy is never based on your righteousness. You never earned it. You never deserved it. You were never good enough and nothing that you can do will ever put you in the place where you deserve God's mercy. But He's merciful anyway because that's just who He is. Mercy is part of the character and nature of God. That's the testimony of Scripture. Praise God. Verse number 2, David says, Wash me. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me thoroughly, David says. Now we're getting down to business. Buoyed with the confidence in the mercies of God, David begins to pray in earnest now. Wash me, God. Then wash me again. And keep on washing me, God, until I've been clean. This is repentance. It's not just a simple begrudging. God, I'm sorry. Now let's move on. David says, wash me thoroughly. Wash me completely. Wash me on the inside. Do whatever you have to do in me to make me clean again. Wash me over and over and over until I'm clean. You know, sometimes you've got to wash something a few times before it becomes really clean. You've got to wash it again and again. And that's the kind of cleansing that David is talking about. Wash me. Cleanse me. Remove the spot. Remove the stain of sin from my life and from my heart. This is where repentance begins to scrape away at that bad foundation. I really believe that we sometimes shortchange the work of repentance in our lives. Sometimes we're telling people what they must do in order to be saved. We, we skip right over that step of repentance and we tell them, hey, well, you've got to be baptized and you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and we never spend time at repentance. We are so 
quick to get people to the baptismal tank before the real work of repentance is begun in a person's life. We want to be washed clean on a surface level. So we look good to everyone on the outside. I know I came in looking bad. I know I came in dragging the things of the world. I don't want you to deal with my heart because I fully intend to go back and do some of those things again. But God, if you could just clean me up on the outside and make me look good to everybody in the house. How many husbands understand that there's a difference between your version of cleaning the house and your wife's version? Mine involves moving some things around. Let let me get some things out of the living room and put them in the bedroom. There, it's clean. Let me get some things from the bedroom and stick them in the closet. There, it's clean. Mine involves a surface level cleaning that maybe my wife calls straightening. Her idea of cleaning goes a whole lot deeper than mine does. Folks, I I never even thought of the fan blades. Who wants to get up there and, and, and wash those? That never even crossed my mind. You mean you gotta wash those things? Who ever heard of that? Sometimes we treat repentance in the same manner. I know I've messed up. I know I've made a mistake. I know I've done something I shouldn't have done and the guilt is eating me up on the inside. So in order to soothe the guilt, we pray a simple half-hearted prayer of repentance and then with our conscience appeased, we move on without giving it another thought of what has just taken place. And then we wonder how habitual sins get a hold on us. We wonder how our flesh begins to assert authority over us. It's because repentance isn't just about your guilt. It's about that you've transgressed the laws of Almighty God. You don't just need your conscience scrubbed. You need the grace of God to wash you thoroughly. You see, you want a surface level cleaning. But God wants to do a work on the foundation of your life. The surface thing will get it done for the moment, but it never deals with the root of the problem. You will go back to that same sin over and over and over again because you haven't ever dealt with the underlying foundational issues upon which your life is built. You need to be washed thoroughly. You need the cleansing of repentance to go way down deep on the inside and deal with the heart issues that are giving rise to sin in your life until you do you mark my words you're going to be stuck in a vicious cycle of sin and half-hearted repentance so David said wash me but don't just do the work on the surface level you wash me thoroughly from the inside 
and wash me again. And then wash me again. And then wash me again until I become clean. Praise God. I'm talking tonight about the joy of repentance. I know this doesn't sound joyful yet, but we're, we're getting there, okay? Verse 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. You know, it's a hard thing to say you're wrong. But that's exactly what you must do in repentance. You have to acknowledge your transgression. Your flesh will do everything it can do to bypass this step. It will do everything it can do to downplay the wrong that you've committed. But if repentance is going to do its work, then you've got to own up to your own transgression. You've got to get on your face, God, and say, Lord. Now, here's, here's how we do it most times. Heavenly Father, if, if, if by chance I said a cross word to my wife, if by chance we got into a little fuss, if by chance I've ever done anything that would displease. Give me a break. You know you've sinned. You know you need mercy. Don't sidestep the issue when you get on your face before God. But get down to business with God. I know I shouldn't have gone there on the internet. I know I shouldn't have said those things. I know I shouldn't be missing church. I know I shouldn't be drinking or smoking. I know I shouldn't be looking at those things, reading those things, listening to that kind of filth. I know I've got the wrong attitude. I know my thinking has been wrong. You've sinned. Own it. Acknowledge your transgression. You don't have to tell the whole church. You don't even have to come and tell the pastor. But you better get down to business with God and confess your sins to a merciful God. It's a vital part of repentance. What our flesh wants is just a general cleansing. You know, spray me down with the garden hose. I don't want one of those fire hoses. Water comes out of those pretty fast. Just spray me down with the garden hose. Make me look good on the outside. That's the kind of repentance that got you into the mess that you're in. What you need is a deep cleaning. You need to be scrubbed. You need to be examined. You need to get the stain remover out and start to go to work on some specific flaws in your character. Some things that you've allowed in your heart and have given rise to the behavior that has happened in your flesh. Your flesh wants to deal with the symptoms. But what you need to do is get to the root of the matter. Now you may be repenting because you can't control your anger. 
but that's just a surface thing. Deep down in your heart, there's some deep-seated wound that needs to be addressed. And as long as you let that bitterness fester inside, you're never going to control your anger. Acknowledge your transgressions. Sometimes we hide the root problems and hope if we ignore them, they're just going to go away. Let me tell you something, friend. It isn't going away without genuine repentance. Verse 4 says, against thee. Forgive me, I'm supposed to be done already. It's ten minutes to nine. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. Here's the crux of the issue. True repentance is born out of a vision of the holiness of God. When I sin, I sin against God. The reason why we have weak, anemic repentance in our lives is because we make repentance about us. We make it about escaping judgment. We make it about alleviating our guilt. We make it about soothing our conscience. We make it about looking good to everyone else on a surface level. Listen to me real closely. Until you recognize that you have sinned against God, you will never break free from sin. We live in a society that says this is my life. I can live my life the way I want to live my life. But hey, you need to acknowledge you sinned against God. He who saved me by His grace. He who laid His life down on that cruel cross. He who has shown me mercy upon mercy that He never stopped reaching for me when I was looking in the wrong direction. He was coming for me. It's about acknowledging the holiness of God. I've sinned against Him. I've transgressed His love. I've transgressed His mercy. I've transgressed His great grace. I've sinned against God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance. You see, it may not get done with just one trip to the altar. You may have to keep yourself on the altar for a while. Godly sorrow work if. That means it continues on. It continues to work in my life. Repentance is the work of godly sorrow. David was saying, God, I'm not here just because I got caught. He got caught. But I'm not here just because I got caught. I'm not here just because of the damage this sin has done to my kingdom and my reputation. I'm not here just trying to escape the judgment and the wrath for my wrong choices. I'm not here because I got called out for my bad behavior or lack of character. I recognize, God, that I have sinned against You. 
I'm concerned because of the offense that I've caused you. There was a God focus to David's prayer of repentance. You've got to understand that when you sin, it doesn't just affect, it does affect you, but it doesn't just affect you. Moms and dads, it affects your children. Spout, husbands and wives, it affects your spouses. Church member, it affects other people in the church. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know what young person is looking up to you and saying, Hey, there's a godly man. I want to pattern my life after him or her. And when you allow sin in your life, you're affecting other people beside you. It's not just about you. I'm talking about the joy of repentance. Now finally, David prays in verse number 10. The very familiar passage of Scripture. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence. And take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. That's the true goal of genuine repentance. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Repentance is about getting the foundation right. Once you get the foundation right, then you can begin to build something that is good and pleasing unto God. You get the foundation right, then you can build something that will last when the storm winds begin to blow. Pastor, why do so many people come in the church? run down to the altar and throw their hands up and begin to speak in tongues. But three weeks later, they're not around any longer. It's because we bypassed the altar of repentance. Now, I, let me just say, you'd be crazy not to love what you feel here tonight. If you're coming from the world and this is your first time and don't let me scare you off, it, it's real. What you feel here is real. You should want everything that you feel here tonight. It's real. But don't bypass the altar of repentance. That's where the foundation gets built in your life. So create in me, O God. Build something in my life. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know the real problem in the church. Forgive me. This, this is not your pastor. This is what I think. The real problem in the church is that we've made the Holy Ghost a destination. We've made it the concluding step. Can I tell you that when you speak in tongues in that heavenly language and the Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart, that's just the beginning. You've only just entered the door. 
there's a work, there's a greater work that God wants to do in your life. And we treat the Holy Ghost as the final destination. And we speak in tongues a little bit and we say, oh, I've got it. And we send people back out to their homes and back out into the world. No wonder they can't overcome sin. You just entered the door. You just entered the door. That's the beginning. Don't go too fast. Linger there a little while. Linger in the presence of God. Allow Him to do the deep work in your heart that He desires to do. Some folks wonder where the joy has gone in their walk with God. I can tell you where it's gone. It's been swallowed up by guilt. It's been snuffed out by pain. It's been suppressed by shame of the past. Shame is a big deal today. We don't like to talk about shame in our society, but the majority of the world lives under shame. Not the culture of the United States of America, but the rest of the world lives in an honor-shame culture. We just don't like to talk about it, but we're under it as well. We come into the house of God. We know our past. We know our wrongs. We know the things that have tripped us up time and time again. And underneath that shame, we allow ourselves just to do a little surface work. And we never deal with the root issue. We never go down to a foundational level and allow ourselves to be laid out on the altar. Where's the sacrifice take place? It takes place on the altar. And if you never stay there on the altar, if you just get there for a minute and you pick yourself up off the altar and go about your business, that's not the lasting work that God desires to do. In your life, you can't build a godly life on that kind of a foundation. If you want your joy back, you need to find a place in an altar and let repentance do its good work in your life. It's time to quit laboring under the heavy load of self-righteousness. It's time to quit living under the guilt and condemnation of sin and failure in your life. It's time to find your way into the presence of God and let the one who started a good work in your life renew that work in your heart. And joy comes after forgiveness. The big dilemma with unrepentant humanity is that you go on in life trying to find joy without being cleansed from guilt. You want to laugh. You want to have joy. But all your joy carries the hollow echo of unresolved issues in your life. And no matter how hard you try, things aren't ever going to be different until you get under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. People run to every imaginable distraction to escape shame and guilt. They immerse themselves in entertainment. They lose themselves in music. They give themselves to work. They turn to pornography or alcohol or some other temporary fix to try to improve themselves. They try to improve their own lives. They try to make a fresh start every year in January. They make resolutions that say, I'm going to be better this year. But by and by, they get sucked back into that old lifestyle. 
They can never escape the guilt that's in their lives. They're trying to deal with shame on a surface level and none of that ever brings real joy. You can go out and party tonight. You can find a club and you can go to and you can have some excitement tonight. But I guarantee you when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you still feel that empty feeling. You've not found real joy in your life. The pleasures of sin, the Scripture says, last for a season. Any preacher that tells you there's no, jo- there's no pleasure in the world is not telling you the truth. There is pleasure in the world. Let's not, let's, let's not be bashful about calling things like they are. But it only lasts for a season. It only lasts for a temporary amount of time. And there are countless millions of people who will lay their heads down on the pillow tonight and wonder, what is my life for? Where is the meaning in my life? Where is my life going? But you step into the presence of God. And you find a place at an altar of repentance. And everything can begin to change in your life. I call you to repentance tonight. I'm sorry if this wasn't the message you were hoping for. It didn't get you running. It didn't get you shouting. But the Word of God God is powerful. The Scripture said it pierces down into the soul. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I challenge you tonight, let the Word of God get in your heart. Why don't we make every chair, every place in the sanctuary again tonight, a great big altar of repentance. Why don't we begin to place ourselves on the altar of repentance tonight? I call this church to repentance. I call you to find a place and allow God to work on the foundation of your heart. If you want to come up here, you can come up here. If you want to stay where you're at, you can stay where you're at. But I challenge you begin to reach out to God and allow Him to do a deep work in your heart tonight. Allow Him to do the work of repentance. Come on, some of you just got in the door. You're not finished yet. God wants to make you over again and bring you to a new place in Him. Jesus, Lord, make me over. Lord, make me over. Oh, Lord, make me Make me over again, Lord, make me over. Come on, let him do a work on the inside of your heart tonight.
Let Him reach down to those hidden places that you haven't allowed Him access. Let Him reach down to the foundation of your heart and begin to change the motive of your heart. Oh, yes, Lord. We need You, Jesus. God, I lay myself on the altar of repentance again. Oh, I'm here until, dear Lord. I'm here until you're done with me, Jesus. Wash me fully. Wash me completely. And then wash me again, oh God. Oh, Lord, make me over. Make me over again. Make me over again. Lord, I surrender, oh Lord, I surrender, make me over again, oh make me over again. Oh, Lord, I surrender. Oh, Lord, I surrender. Oh, Lord, I surrender. Make me over again make me over again thank you Lord 